that time. No, that's right. Guess what, everyone? You are now, if you are tuned in right now, then you are tuned in and therefore have positioned yourself to become undeniable in your pursuit of personal, professional, and spiritual excellence, especially spiritual excellence today. But we will wait to get to our guest in just a second. Hopefully, you are pursuing excellence. But if you are not, I can guarantee you have come to the right place. Welcome to this super awesome episode of Become Undeniable. I am your humble host. I will be humble today. I usually say that I'm mostly humble, but I am humble and I will be today. Brad Austin, but I am always keeping it real no matter whose feelings it hurts while also providing undeniable value every step of the way. Now, I got to tell you, if if you have tuned in and you are listening to the show right now as someone who does not believe in God, as someone who may be wondering about God, as someone who has heard all the cliched phrases about God, but you've never investigated for yourself, you've never went down that path to find him yourself, then this episode is a must listen for you. Do not go anywhere. You must stay tuned. It's going to be value packed. And I guarantee you will walk away with, if nothing else, curiosity about God and why you should seek him. I want to introduce my very special guest today. I've gotten to know this man over a very short period of time, but he has taught me so much and he has helped me grow in my spiritual walk so much. He is a absolutely devoted husband to his wife, Heather, for 26 years. He's adopted six children from Latin American countries. Six children, man. Boy, you talk about someone that gives. His main focus is to help people learn how to follow an apprentice with Jesus Christ, after Jesus Christ. And we're going to learn about that in just a second. He also happens to be the lead pastor at Issaquah Christian Church in Issaquah, Washington. Aaron Bauer, welcome to the show, man. How are you? Hey, thanks, Brad. And it's been good getting to know you too over, I guess it's been eight months, almost nine months. It's been, it's been pretty cool. Love watching your journey and excited to be here with you. Man, I'm, I'm stoked that you were here and that you said yes. That, <laughs> um, before, we, before we get into, and I'm taking a risk here, Aaron, because you know when I introduced you, you said something in our pre-show that, that said something about apprenticing after Jesus. And uh, if you can, man, I, I need you to to educate me and the audience on what that what you mean by that, um, and then we'll we'll go into the actual questions. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, well, the apprentice uh, is if if you're in a Christian church context, they'd say discipleship or being a disciple, but we don't use that word so much anymore. Uh, but we do apprentice. So if I'm going to learn how to become an electrician, what am I going to do first? I'm going to watch the electrician. And then he's going to say, hey, come and I want you to hold this tool or hold this wire while I'm doing it. And pretty soon there's a bit of a handoff, right? Yeah. The apprentice um, starts to do the work and the electrician oversees that. And then pretty soon he's sending him off on his own jobs, right? Because he's learned the, the trade. And that, that was the idea of a disciple or an apprentice of Jesus when Jesus like walked with his feet in the sand of, of Galilee and, and, and Jerusalem and all that. And so we, we have to imagine ourselves in the same mindset. What does it look like to quote unquote, follow Jesus or follow in his steps, some of these kind of concepts. Uh, and, and it would be an, an apprenticeship model where 
where we help someone else say, okay, well, watch what I'm doing. And then, hey, let's do it together. And then um, let's have you do it and I'll watch and then I'll send you to do that thing. So it's just a, a simple model that Jesus used that we're attempting to use as well to help people learn, like to figuratively follow Jesus. So do you think that, um, do you think that we as whether, cause I mean, you, you lead a church, right? And so um, do you think we as Christ followers and even church leadership, generally speaking, do you think that we're doing a good enough job of, of apprenticing people once they have made that critical decision for themselves? Yeah, I think that's been lacking in the, in the, let's say the American church. Mm. Um, It's happening all over the world by necessity, because that's just the way it goes. Um, If you're in China, you're not hosting a a large church, you're hosting a house church or something like that. And so what do you do? You teach people how to follow Jesus in the everyday stuff of life. Um, But for some reason, we've fallen into a model where if we just have enough people in the room and we teach them enough good stuff and inspire them, um, then maybe they'll go out the door and know how to follow Jesus kind of immediately. Right. <laughs> like, so it's an, inspir- <laughs> it's an inspirational model of disciple making as opposed to one-on-one. And apprentices aren't mass produced, if you think about it. They're they're made, you know, in the trade and in the work, and they're you, you hand off assignments, and so we've inadvertently set ourselves up for a model that doesn't produce followers of Jesus. It produces um, believers in a list of concepts, or you know, oh yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true, and then okay, well, I guess that's it. I guess we quote unquote discipled you, you, you know, for using the electrician model. So you do believe that electrical currents do come through outlets. Okay. Well, I guess I <laughs> go there for and wire a home or wire and, you know, yeah, I guess you're fine for setting up your Tesla then. Cause you understand you believe in electricity. So right. go out there and do it. And so most of us would say, uh, I have not been trained enough. And so I think, yeah, our, our model has tried to mass produce instead of hand make um, for convenience or, or maybe for some other reasons too. Right. Well, and, and I know you're the same type of person, man. I'm, I have gotten, I've grown very, very sick and weary of whether it is the very, very little bit of political content that I consume or it's just whatever I'm hearing from people as we, we, as people, we like to complain, Right. We like to complain and then move on. We don't like to actually complain and then solve the problem. It's like, look what they're doing. Look what they're doing. Look what they're doing. But, okay, well, what are you doing about that? Right? And mm-hmm. so I, I wanted to structure this show as as a as a solution to multiple problems, not only within ourselves personally, mm-hmm. right, but within the, 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 the church itself, right? And I'm not here to call out the well, church. Well, let's fix them all. We'll let's, just fix them all. Right here let's on this it. show, man. In an hour, <laughs> yeah. hour and a half, we're going to fix all of it. You did talk about risky. <laughs> <laughs> so that said, man, let's let's get into this because I, I, I think people need to hear everything that you're going to have to say. Um, you are much more versed, well-versed in, 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 your, uh, in the Bible itself, in, in the translation of things. And so I'm. I know I'm going to learn a lot from you today as well, and I'm stoked about that. So, let's let's just 
let's go. So, you know, I was pondering this myself and I, I don't know the answer to this and I'm waiting for yours because I, I want to hear, I was thinking about it earlier. What would Aaron say to people who like, who would disagree with you or I, when we would tell them that everyone is seeking God, whether they know it or not. Right. What do you say to that? So they disagree with that idea or. Yeah. Absolutely. They, 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 you know, you, you say that to somebody and you're like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting the Bible. I'm not doing this. I'm not seeking God. I'm not actually physically seeking God. Right. But there's yeah. more layers to it than that. I think. Yeah. You know, I, I think, I think that because we're created, there's this sense of longing for connection with the creator and you can, I guess you could pretend you weren't created or made, or, you know, you could pretend there's no authority, but that does leave you with a bit of a, a gap, you know, I've got a friend like Danny, um, who says, man, you know, I'm practicing gratitude and I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Mm. So who are you grateful to? Right. Cause gratitude is a relational thing, not a, not just a state of mind. So, so to whom are you grateful? Well, I guess I got to work on that because I don't really believe there is a God <laughs> like, yeah, it, there's a gap there when we try to have, um, we try to live like a human, which is to enjoy beauty, but pretend that there was no person to thank for that beauty. You know, we just have these gaps when we see things in our life, like, well, we want justice. And well, well, why, why, why is that important? Well, it just is. Okay. All right. So it's a social construct or, or whatever, but there's just a gap there. But I think I grew up with a, with a mindset that was, okay, there's a God shaped hole in all of us, you know, and only God can fill it. And I believe that's true to a point, but I don't think it's all the way in front of mind for people. I, I met a young woman, she was a, an exchange student from China and I asked her, like, so when you were growing up, what, what did you think about God? What were your thoughts about God? And she said, huh, I don't know. It never came up. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, that's a challenge because remember there's a God. So I had to, you know, I didn't do this, but I was thinking I got to convince her that there's a God shaped hole in her, you know, but it's, a, it's very challenging to imagine, okay, what would that look like? And what would a, a materialist worldview um, where there's only what you can see and feel, what would that do to you? And it, it hollows, I think it does hollow you out to, to, to the point where there is then a God-shaped hole because you can't really make sense of all the things like love and beauty and, and justice, all, all these things that we, that we long for. You just have to say, well, we just happen to like them now. Um, and, and we've just come to that socially, we've agreed that this is this and, and that is that. Um, so I, I think that, that God, um, has wired us in such a way to, to long for him. And if you want to say that's genetic down to the, you know, down to the wiring of, of the way we actually are, maybe that would explain why most of the world is religious. Because there's just something in us that's, uh, that God's put in there that longs for connection with the creator God. Right. Yeah. You start asking questions and it, it doesn't normally doesn't take very long to get to a blank stare. Right. And there I agree with you. There is there is a huge disconnect. And so I'm curious about how that conversation goes. And, and I'm going to ask you about your atheist friend here in a little bit. But um, hmm. how do you where do you take the conversation with people who um, who are stuck in this absolute non-acceptance of an authority that you just talked about, right? 
I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm hard pressed to believe in a spon- totally spontaneous bang that occurred however many thousands of years ago. It's, it's logically a, that's hard for me to connect, right? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me because action, reaction, cause, effect, none of that's there, right? Doesn't it make more sense that, that a creator that was always there just actually, actually snapped the fingers and created the earth and created everything else in it and all the beauty that you're looking at. But I'm curious as how, how, how you take that conversation for someone who says, well, there is no authority. Right. Yeah. It, I, one of the things that, that I've studied is how to answer all these kinds of questions. But I, but one of the, and, and there's a, there's a, there's a section of Christian thought called apologetics, not apologizing for things, but right. making a defense of the faith. What I've found is that um, most people have their own defenses set up against God. And so while I could come up with maybe a, a biblical answer or my answer, um, if, if let's say I could, I could take out my rocket propelled grenade of apologetics, my, my defense of the faith and blow away their barrier to to believing in God what's not to keep them from just taking the next barrier and putting it right in front <laughs> because what they're trying to do is shield themselves from accountability to that authority. Mm. Uh, that, that's, that seems to be the atheist project is how can we kill God so that we can do what we want to do? Some have said, you know, um, there is no God and I miss him, you know, or you know, there, there's no God and I hate him. <laughs> These are some literature uh, pieces in literature. And, and it's like, yeah, yeah, we, we kind of want to press back against that. So I don't feel equipped, nor am I convinced that it's helpful to blow your defenses out of the water if your, can, your intent on keeping those defenses against God. I'd rather um, talk about the beauty of Jesus. Because a lot of us have this idea of God. Do you know God? Uh, the word God is just a German word, um, gut, and then, and it just means divinity. Hmm. It'd be like going around and calling, uh, calling your pet, hey dog, hey dog, you know, whatever. No, it, it has a name, right? Yahweh is the revealed name of the God of the Bible, right? And and but but we have this idea. Everybody's got an idea of what God is. The man upstairs, or you know, they have this Santa Claus idea of God, or a very distant God, or whatever. And so then, when you say, "Let's talk about Jesus," they say, "Well, how does Jesus fit with God?" And I think we need to reverse that hmm. and just say, "Okay, so you don't really want to talk about God. That's fine. Let's talk about Jesus, who, if we can just set that aside for a second, who." is declared to be the image of the invisible God. Say, you want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. <laughs> so um, so let's just introduce you to, to Jesus. What do you make of him? The, the miracle working, the love, the care, the compassion. What do you think about that? And did you know that the claim is that he is God? So now we actually have Jesus in the middle of the story, interpreting the whole story with us mm. and, and for us. And so, so my belief in Jesus is informs oh what I think about Yahweh and and what I think about the future and what I think about the past because I, I center it on Jesus and so I always just try to encourage my friends um, hey if you want to know what God's doing in the world if you have if you're up if you have any of these spiritual thoughts look 
to Jesus. You know, and this is at a hotel bar where I'm talking to somebody out of town or, or a, a good friend, um, someone who's been in the church setting, but kind of laps it, look to Jesus. If God is going to do anything in the world, it's going to be through Jesus. And so I try to get around that God concept, which is just so big because we're just talking yeah. about, um, you know, the divine being, but, but he's made himself known in Jesus. And that's the Christian claim backed up by the resurrection. Right of Jesus himself. Right. Boy, I got to tell you, man, I, I, this could be a three hour show. <laughs> I hope you made time, but, um, where, you know, you talked about, you talked about non-believers and their defenses, right? The walls they put up, the barriers to yeah. God. Right. Uh, I want to, I want to peel some layers back on that, man, because people are going to listen to this and they're going to say, man, I'm doing that. I'm doing that. I, maybe, maybe I should stop. Hopefully, you know, but where do those, where do those defenses, where do those self-inflicted barriers come from? And I know you said it was because I'm, I would have to then submit to the almighty and, and not do some of the things I'm doing to be able to do what I want. But what are some other places that those defenses come from? Well, that's, that's good. You know, Brad, first of all, I, if someone is actually responding that way to what I said, mm. I would be, I would be so pleased and, and humbled and, and for them to, to say, well, maybe I, you know, if they're, if they're actually thinking that deeply and saying, I think I don't want there to be a God, mm. you know, I think, I think that's it. Now I was a little more blunt with my daughter the other day. She was thinking she could live however she wants and do whatever she wants. And she doesn't care about herself anymore. And she's kind of got these suicidal thoughts and she's struggling. And, and because she's my daughter, I was, I was pretty blunt with her. And I was yeah. like, like, how can, how can you say that it doesn't matter what happens to you? You were, you were created by God, you know? And, and so I was kind of pushing back on like, no, you have value because God created you. And I was, I was pushing back on there. And then she's like, well, I don't know if I believe in God anymore. And I didn't take it for, for her. I didn't take it as a, as a, uh, oh, oh, okay. Let me think about that. I was like, oh, so what about God? Don't you believe anymore? Hmm. <laughs> Mostly it's like, how, how can we chip away at this idea of God till he's more comfortable for me? And I think that's, that's just normal. So if you're thinking, well, I think I kind of do that. And you've let down your guard because you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, maybe I have kind of shielded myself from God. Um, I would just, I would say, Why? Like, look at, look at the person of Jesus and, and tell me why you wouldn't want to let him heal your soul and, and make you more human and make you more connected to God. But why, why do, I mean, look at, read a story of Jesus, go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and just read a story about Jesus and tell me why you wouldn't want to have him just caress your soul and and you wouldn't just want to hang on his neck and you wouldn't want to just whisper in his ear i love you have mercy on me why why would you know look at look at the face of jesus this is what what we call um as christians we would call worship you know just just adoration of jesus um, but but we don't come to jesus uh, sometimes because um, we think that the we think that the goal of of you know humanity and all that is just to 
um, become better people. And, and we say, well, I can right. be a better person all by myself. I don't need God to do that. Right. I'm like, well, good on you. And, and I would like to live next to you because you're obviously a, a better neighbor than that other guy. Right. And also, but that's not the whole point. The point is that you could have intimacy with God. And that's just not something everybody wants to engage I mean, we, we'd like to think that, you know, we have this loving relationship with the Father, God, and through the Son, Jesus, and by the Holy Spirit. That's the, the Trinity language of, of the scripture. We'd like to think that everybody wants that, but actually that could be kind of intimidating. I mean, they may be built for it. That may be how they were created and what their, their destiny is to, to connect in that way, but I don't know. Maybe I don't really like the idea of a father God, because my father was mm. a wretch. He was mm. terrible. That's good. So yeah. You tell me God is my father. And I'm like, forget that. No. That's the last thing I need is a dad. Uh, you know, and then, and then we have to say, well, is it, is it, is he called a dad? Is, is the father God called dad because he's like your dad or, is the father in heaven supposed to be our model as fathers to apprentice after, you know? And so the failures are all mine, not, not his. He's the, he's the one that each one of our dads should have been. So I think there's family stuff. There's trauma stuff. There's why there's, there's some like serious. And, and, and if, if you have skeptical people listening to this, I'm, I'm kind of a skeptic myself, but but there's just a lot of funky stuff in this world. And I can't believe in a, a God who would judge. And I can't believe in, um, and all that. And you're like, well, and I would just say, well, so you want him to judge or you don't want him to judge you. You want him to remove evil in the world or you don't want him to remove evil in the world. Right. And I, you know, I'm not laughing at you, but I know it in my own heart. It's like, God, why do you allow evil in this world? And why aren't you more judgmental and removing evil? Oh, Okay, this is just, you know, how 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 come you're just, I don't know, we just we live in this tension. Like like yeah. why why and I, people ask me, why can't God just remove all evil mm. in the world? And we have to say, well, I, I think he could, but wouldn't he have to remove you and me as well? No, 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 I'm a good person. The, I'm a good person. I'm not doing what yeah. they're doing. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, you you set up a, you set up a standard to uh, make sure that you are better than than somebody else. But but we all know that the e, the evil um, runs down the middle of us. Uh, a real famous Russian author, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, mm, yes. said, said that the that evil is not between me and you. Like that's the line of demarcation. It actually runs down the middle of all of us. Wow. There's there's lust and and bitterness and hatred and unforgiveness and pride and, and murderous thoughts running through our heads. And, and so if God were to remove all evil, well, he would have to remove us as well, but he, ha he has a plan for that. And that's, that's actually in Jesus. And so we see that on the cross, we see love and justice coming together on the cross. We see God's love for humanity, but his justice to take sin and condemn it in the person of Jesus. And, and then he's in this process, which I would invite all of your listeners to, to engage. He's, he's the authority is that he is King of a kingdom and he's, he's, creating new life and he's ex 
bull, you know, expelling the evil from our hearts and from our, our small communities. And he's growing this and to a point in, in the end when, when all evil will be quarantined. And that's the, that's the only way we're going to actually flourish as humanity. Yeah. And what people don't, what people don't realize. And one of the things I've had to come to realize over in my life is that, you know, while I may be a good person, quote unquote, I might, um, I might not have done things that are as bad as other people, but what people don't understand if, is that if you are a, if, if there is a perfect God, a sinless God, a, um, and, and a sinless Jesus Christ, then even the smallest of sins, the, 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 the bad thought, you, you know, looking at a woman going by or whatever the case may be, right? That is still sin to him, to the perfect one, right? So, and no one can tell me that they haven't, they have not sinned whatsoever, right? Oof. I'm just, I, I, even just this morning, I was laying in bed <clears throat> praying and going, why are these thoughts still in my head? Why is that, why is that, that woman that walked by, why is that still the image in my head? Oh God, help me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No joke, man. Totally. So I'm starting to wonder if you somehow, I mean, I just printed my show notes out, you know, 40 minutes ago before we got on here, but I'm starting to wonder if you just didn't see the next question for some reason, but let's, let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about the, those cliched um, mantras, if you will, that, uh, I, I've heard from a lot of people. I'm sure you've heard the same thing from a lot of people. And really and truly, this is not meant to um, uh, this is not meant to to hack on anybody. Um, but it, it's really to give additional context that they most likely have never heard, right? About what they themselves have said, in hopes of them saying mm-hmm. a light bulb going off and saying, "Okay, well, maybe maybe I should at least try seeking God and see if He shows up," right? That said, so you just alluded to it, um, this perfect God that we talk about. I mean, why? You know, you've heard, you've heard it time and time again. I've heard it time and time again, even just a couple weeks ago. Um, why would such a good God let such bad things happen to people and let such bad things happen in the world? Murder, disease, injustice, et cetera, et cetera. Why would a good God allow that, Aaron? Yeah, I, I just say I don't know. Um, I certainly don't know. And, and if you've experienced those things, you know, for you, Brad, for your listeners, um, as I think about stuff for me, um, I, I just know that his heart aches for that, that he is standing beside those who suffer. In fact, that's where he intends to show up most is when we suffer. And, and he's he's there. I've suffered. I've had really horrendous things happen to me. And I think Jesus was there, weeping, struggling with. He he's the one who sees suffering, who sees pain. And if you look at Jesus, you read his stories, he sees people and weeps over them. He and, and he did heal and he did come in and and care for and and meet the needs, but he didn't just like like a like a drop a um, EMP and save everybody or heal everybody or just, you know, kind of this, he, he went around and, and touched and felt and, and was around the people who were suffering. And so that's what we know God's heart is for the sufferer. 
Now, why, why, you know, how could a loving God who's also powerful allow these things to take place? We, we don't really know. And if, if your dad is dying of cancer and if your, your, you know, wife just got in a car wreck and if you're struggling with those things, I just know he's suffering with you. If we want to zoom out a little bit and dare to tread the 30,000 foot view of why, why he might allow those things, we could say something like, um, is, it, is it possible that a limitless God who understands all the interconnectedness of all humanity and all time and possibly even sees it all at once, is it possible that he has a reason and he can create some good out of that with with the power, the love, the limit, the limitlessness, is it possible? And for a Christian, we would say it's not only possible, it's, it's more than probable. It's, it's, it's likely. And so that's where we end up in this, I, this concept of trust, which I can't put that on you. I, I can't say just trust God right. or something like that. I can't do that. I can't put that on you, but I can say, I trust Jesus. I, I absolutely trust him. I trust his heart for me. I trust the way he cares about me, the way he exposes evil in my life in, in a way that, that kind of stings, but like a surgeon, he extracts it and heals my soul. I trust him to do that kind of work in my life and in the life of those around me. But I, I couldn't, you know, we couldn't come to answer this for that. God allowed this so that this would happen. We rarely, I think we rarely see that, that, that correlation, that causation, um, in this, in this existence where we're at. So, you know, Aaron, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad, man. And I'm, I'm being somebody here. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that Jesus is right here next to me, even though I can't see him. I'm so glad that he's hurting with me. I'm so glad he's feeling my pain and everything else. But you know what, man, that doesn't help my father who's dying of cancer right now that I'm visiting in the hospital. Right. Yeah. That doesn't doesn't help him. That doesn't help, you know, my 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 daughter friend that got murdered. It doesn't help. That doesn't help any me with any of that, man. Well, what do you? What's yeah. what's what's your response? Yeah, I'll say, man. Um, I I, I for, for one am, would be an instance of God showing up in your life. Mm. Um, I, I'm here because I love you and I care for you and I'm here to wrap you up and to hold you and to be with you in the midst of it. Um, and, and God wants you to know that he loves you and cares for you. Now I'm not saying I'm channeling a voice, but I am saying as the more and more I'm connected to Jesus, the more I take on his mindset and can play that apprenticed kind of role doing the kind of things that he would do and be in those spaces and be present. And, and I know what you want and that's that you want your dad to be healed. You want that murdered daughter to come back to life and you want those things. And what I'm going to do is sit with you and I'll probably weep with you and we'll say, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. There's no reason that this person deserves anything or whatever, but we're just asking that you would have mercy and, you know, can, can you just receive that as a prayer now for, for your, you know, your, your people, Lord, have mercy on those who are struggling, who are wondering if they could find you, Lord, have mercy on those who, who feel like you're absent and don't care, um, have mercy on them. Yeah. So, 
staying staying one more one more piece of this last question as far as how how can such a good God let all these bad things happen? I mean, isn't and it's been my response in the past, um, but isn't and a, isn't the the I like to simplify things, man. I like to put things in a funnel and get to the end of that. And whatever comes out at the end, that's it. That's a simplified version of it. It's just what I do, but um, it's what I like to do. And isn't the simple answer to that? I mean, well, I mean, people have free will, right? Is that, is that adequate? Yeah, it's, it's a good start. You know, like what's wrong with the world is a, is a, is a big question. Um, you look at the 20th century, the, the bloodiest century in human history, wars and the Holocaust and all the mm. just awful evil stuff. Um, and you could say, yeah, um, humans made some pretty bad decisions, but I don't think that fully captures it. Mm. I think there's evil behind that as well, that it's not just human decision making, which is absolutely you know, you're there, you're complicit in that. But sometimes, I don't know if you've experienced this, Brad, sometimes there's a power behind some of these feelings that we have, like, <clears throat> that can't just be chemical stuff. Like lust, I think we're built for, you know, we're struggling with those kind of things. I still struggle with those kind of things, you know, but, but, but things like unforgiveness, oh, there's energy there. Yeah. I don't know if you felt that, that, oh, like, uh, there's no way, oh, oh, no. And that bitterness that grows and you're just kind of that edge to you and that hatred that can grow in our lives and those kind of things. I think that's fueled. I, I think there's, there's, there's uh, fuel behind that. And I think that we have um, dark forces, spiritual forces that, that love to fuel that kind of thing. Like, oh yeah, let's, let's, let's take that one for a ride. And I'm going to supercharge that, that passion, that, that desire that you've got. Um, you know, I mean, you could say, you know, everybody uses Hitler or Stalin or Pol Pot mm. or some of these, these other, these figures who murdered millions. And you could say, wow, they made bad choices. <laughs> what does that, does that really cover it? Can. <laughs> does that cover it? Because isn't, isn't there something supercharged about that where they've given in and in, in their lust for power, they've yes. made this Faustian bargain with, with the devil that says, okay, let's, let's, you know, if you're going to energize us, let's go. And we have to fight that on a daily basis. And we have to take our thoughts captive and say, wow, okay, why am I thinking that? And why is there so much energy behind that? And Lord have mercy, you know, have mercy right. on me as well. So free will does, um, does answer a lot of that. But I think that we also have to look at not just fallen humans, but fallen, fallen dark forces as well that, that are opposed to God's plan to create a new humanity modeled after Jesus, who is the true human. He's shown, he's shown us what it's like to be truly human, fully human and fully connected to God. Isn't that awesome? I mean, that's the apprenticeship model I'm on is to be more and more human and more connected to God. And yet, what does our society say? Ah, just do like the animals do live more instinctual. Like who's becoming more human in that? Like the true humanists are the, the people who are looking at the true human and trying to become more like him by God's power, as opposed to giving in to these other forces that would say, I don't know, you should just do you and take what you want and go after, you know, go after it and, and uh, don't let them get in the way as opposed to the way of Jesus, which is 
hey, if you need that, you can have it. I've got a provider in heaven, you know, and that's where generosity comes from is, is it's fueled. There's energy there too. Mm-hmm. So you see, you see this in, in churches sometimes and in, in Christian lives, you see like, what is fueling this person's passion to care for the lost or to, to stay committed in these relationships or, um, or to give so much or whatever. Well, there's fuel there too, but it's, it's toward kingdom. It's uh, which is the claim that Jesus is on the throne and that he's then, um, he's then creating and new creations in in humans who give their allegiance to that king, who then live start to live like that king in this apprenticeship model. So there's there's fuel there too. In fact, I, I, I believe in the fuel from heaven more than I do the fuel from what we might call hell. Right. Yeah. No. You have to you have to peel it back a little bit and say. For example, those those dictators of the past, right, who murdered millions, it's, it, they didn't just wake up and decide one day, hey, I'm going to do that, right? What was the cause of that fuel you talked about, right? Where did those thoughts come from? And I, I think clearly a lot of times it's, it starts with thoughts, right? It starts with thoughts, and depending on what those thoughts lead to, it metastasizes into tragedy, right? So. I just, we, we have to be very, very careful and discerning of our thoughts because a lot of times they're not placed there just by us. Would you, would you say that's correct? Yeah. I, I'll some, I think we all kind of have that um, third person voice that we kind of chat with, you know, it's <laughs> like, oh, should I do that? Should I not do that or whatever? But sometimes there are what we might call outside, outside thoughts that like, whoa, well, that one, does that one lead me toward God and toward becoming like, you know, Jesus, or does that one lead me away? And I think we can, we can have that, maybe what we would call that third person voice. You know, I call myself Bauer. That's my last name, you know, but I, I call myself Bauer. So I'm like, Bauer, what do you got to do? Why do you got to do that? So I'll, I'll criticize that, but there's fuel from one way or the other that can influence that, that voice as well. So yeah, I, I I'm not saying I, I hear a lot of voices, but right, right. I, you do get a lot of thoughts do get a lot of thoughts and you say, wow, where did this one come from? Because that didn't, that didn't originate with me. Right. Don't just act on it because you get it right. Stop for a second. Always stop for a second and and determine where that could be coming from. Is it from, and if you are a non-believer, then you, you at least at the very least stop and say, is that going to lead to good or is that going to lead to not so good? Right. I mean, yeah. th- one of those outside thoughts, the voice, if you will, is the reason why I'm doing this show, man. <laughs> we talked about this previously, right? I'm not a podcast host. I never thought I would be one. I, even though people have said for years, hey, man, you need a podcast. I'm like, nope, not me. Not how I roll. Not what I'm doing. Um, and, and then the thought just popped into my head one day in a time where literally nothing was coming to fruition with my business and with this and nothing, Right. And, and so it, it just felt weird to me that this random thought of starting a podcast show just popped into my head. And like we normally do as humans, um, a lot of times Christ followers ourselves, we say, yeah, yeah, okay, go away, you know, and not not for me, whatever, and just move on with our day. And then it just, it just kept getting shoved into my head over and over and over, and it wouldn't leave for weeks, man. And I said, okay, you know what, I'm either going to be stupid or I'm going to sit here and pay attention to it and, and just go down the road and see what happens because I'm clearly God is telling me to do this. And that's why I'm doing this. I'm not doing it to be famous. I'm not doing it to make money. 
I'm not doing it. I'm doing it to, to just to really to serve others with great guests like you who can help people think about something and, and impact their lives. Right. And what he does with it is what he does with it. And, and I'm just I'm having fun. You know what I mean? So this show started because of that voice. And you told me you told me on a message, you know, you said, Brad, you said following Jesus is crazy. I remember you saying that you said he will take you crazy places and places you never thought you would be. Amen, brother. That is the case right here today. I remember you saying that. <laughs> so let's continue because I want to get to more of these, um, these, these cliched mantras in, in hopes that people will start thinking a little differently. And it's just for the betterment of themselves, to be honest with you. Um, when you have that relationship, you will over just a even a short period of time or a little longer period of time, whatever, you will see that manifest into positivity and great things in your life. Um, so I see, Aaron, I see this like overall, especially in non-believers, obviously, um, I see this lack of reverence, right, for, for who Jesus is. Um, you ask people if they know who he is, if they know about him at all. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of Jesus. You know, it's like, he, he was he was a great teacher back in the day, right? Or you know, some other bland titles that that as if he's just anyone else. Um, but it's clear that they don't really see him as the one and only Messiah, right? And I guess I'm I'm curious as to what could you say to them to to, to start looking at him a little differently, to see him for who he is or who he was and is. Right. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Well, you know, you use some some terms there that could probably use a little explanation, like Messiah. We we take it for granted that you know, like someone will say, "I don't have a Messiah complex," or "You've got a Messiah complex." It's like, oh, what does that mean? Uh, you want to save the world? And but the Messiah that that even concept is is Jewish. It's a Jewish concept. Mm. So Jesus. <laughs> So I'll make the problem worse first before we fix it, Brad. Okay. Um, why would I care about a marginalized Jewish peasant who lived two millennia ago? Why Why do I need to order my life around someone who was um, pushed to the edges, crucified outside uh, Jerusalem City because he wasn't even good enough for the Jewish people he came to save? Why? So why why do i need to be a part of that right and that's the all the time we have for today folks no. <laughs> um, and so so the um the just the idea that he is a jewish messiah helps us because what we're saying is he's the answer to the jewish hope and i don't know if you know maybe maybe your listeners would need to know that that even christianity started out as a jewish sect a, a part of Judaism. They would, in fact, say, uh, actually, we're not just um, we're not outside of Judaism. We are what Judaism was built to to contain. We're 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 supposed to have believed in this coming rescuer, Messiah, and that and then in Greek it's Christos, so that's where we get Christ. That's mm -hmm. a fun fact. Christ is not Jesus's last name. Right? Right. I'm Aaron Bauer, and right. I was born to Paul Bauer, and and, you know, it wasn't Joseph and Mary Christ that had Jesus Christ, right? Christ is a title. It means the Messiah. And that's a lot. That's saying a lot. In fact, that's what got him killed, is that people were starting to say, actually, this guy is the one 
that we've been waiting for. Because, because the nations um, in, in the, the scriptural story, the way, the way Christianity tells it, is that the nations went astray, served other gods, but God started over with, with one man, Abraham, and Abraham was going to be the rescue plan for the nations. Uh, I don't know if you got a Bible, but Genesis 12 would say, um, Abraham, I'm going to start with you and I'm going to bless you and make you a blessing so that all the families on the earth will come back to me uh, because they've all gone astray. And so that's just page 12 of the Bible. And then we've got the rest of the Bible to go. And then what we see is that the Israelite people that come from Abraham fall and fall away and need rescue. And so um, the rescue plan for the nations then needs rescue. And so now they, so it's like the tow truck is broken down and it needs a tow truck. And, and then, and so who's the rescue plan for the rescue plan? Well, that's Jesus who comes and says, I'm actually bringing about God's kingdom. I'm going to restore all things. I'm going to be about um, the father's business. And so, so he becomes the rescue plan. And on that day when he was crucified, it seemed like the rescue plan for the rescue plan for the rescue plan had failed and that was over. And that God maybe doesn't have a way to rescue humanity anymore. There is no way for people to become human and connected to God. It looks like we're all just going to go our own way and you do you and you follow whatever voice in your head and you just try not to kill your neighbor or something like that. And we were just all going to go that direction, except for he rose from the dead. And, and rose in, in such a way that it was a bodily resurrection and he appeared to people and he, um, he appeared to his disciples and to large crowds and, and to this individual and to that individual and showed himself to be, to be alive with many proofs, says the Bible. Uh, because they they know, you know, it's not like oh, in first century they let everybody just rise from the dead, or or they didn't really understand death. Or, that was what my atheist friend was telling me the other day. He's like, well, you know, I mean, he was, you know, he's probably just, you know, they didn't really understand death exactly, you know, or whatever. I was like, well, no, they they knew that when you die, you don't come back. That's kind of the way it goes. And there's some more nuance to that, but it's that's they knew that. And they had doctors and they to poke him, leave him for three days. Okay. He's not coming back. We bury him. And that's just the way, the way things went. And so, um, so when he came back, he said, actually my resurrection shows that I now have all authority in heaven and on earth. So all that realm, that dimension that we call God's space and in, in our space, that Jesus has all authority there. And so that's where we get the commission to go and make apprentices and let them know, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to be with you all the way to the end. And, and so Jesus is, uh, is revealing that God has not given up on humanity. Otherwise, we really wouldn't have much hope for that. Mm-hmm. We just, it'd just be go your own way, do your thing. Um, and yeah, humans do bad things. Um, but there's a restoration plan, a new creation plan, a kingdom is what it's called. So that we can all then partake in that. And we do, we do say that this, you know, for, as, a, as a follower of Jesus, we would say that um, this takes, uh, this takes a, a bit of a leap, you know, it's, there's a, th- that allegiance to Jesus, faith in Jesus, um, comes by way of a, a supernatural connection with God. It's not just, okay, fine, I believe that. It's, 
is because God has become so desirable and my sin and and this world has become so undesirable that I I, I trust in Jesus. And so not everybody's going to do that, especially in a nation like ours Mm. where we're just living for today. Who cares? Right. I'm just, you know, my friend Jason is like, I'm just ready to take a dirt nap, you know, whenever. And that's it. You know, there's no soul. There's no whatever. I don't even care. I'm living for now. YOLO. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> and I just don't think that's accurate, that, that you only live once. You you live in this body. You, you die. Um, there's an unnatural separation of, of who you are. But that one day there will be a resurrection, just like there is a resurrection of Jesus, that he's launched the idea of resurrection. We will all be um, recombined with our bodies, and that's for good or for bad, whether we want to be with Jesus or we don't. Wow. All right. So, Aaron, what is what are your thoughts on how how did I mean, how did this happen? And it's probably a simplistic question. It's probably a dumb question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How did this happen to where? It's been a long time, but, you know, we, we as a as a as a world, as a, as a society, as a, as a race, as a human race, we went from realizing the Messiah was the Messiah to oh, he was just a guy who taught some cool things back in the day. Right. What, what are your do you have any thoughts on how we got from there to there? And I know there's tons of things we can blame it on, but do you have sort of a streamlined answer for that? Yeah, the, I'm not completely, uh, I can't quote a chapter and verse, but the Enlightenment, this process in Europe, which started to get fascinated with human capability and what we could do, started to kind of try to close the gap between God and us and say, well, yeah, we could do this, we could do this, we could do this, you know, Um there's some things like evolutionary theory and those kind of things said, oh, so we don't even need God to explain this. That would help. And so there's this kind of um, promotion of humanity and this demotion of God that's taken place over time. And I will say that Christian scholarship hasn't helped much. We've, we had um, we had some theologians in the 18th and 19th century, um, mostly coming out of Germany and other places like that who started to say, well, let's actually get back to like, <clears throat> what can we actually know about Jesus? And, and what, and we can't, we can, certainly can't use the eyewitness testimony because they're biased. So let's take our bias mm. <laughs> and, and our bias 1800 years later and try to determine and, and we'll critique the Bible. And it's actually called uh, literary criticism, you know, so we're going to critique the Bible. And so, so even Christianity hasn't, had a real consistent thread, especially maybe in, in that, the Protestant world. There've been some people who have said, and Protestant means those who, who came out of the, the reformation um, of, of Catholicism and broke away and protested against the Catholic church uh, 500 years ago. And then, and then started to spread in, into these other things there. There wasn't anything that really locked them in tight. So, so they went, went all these different directions and there's something called the, the quest for the historical Jesus. That sounds lovely, but it turned out it was, how do we break apart the scripture? They would actually have these moments where the, it, it hasn't been too long um, ago since this happened, a, a group called the Jesus seminar would actually 
vote on what this group would get together and vote whether Jesus actually said that in the Bible or didn't until they get down to this version um, of Christianity that was so stripped away from uh, the biblical text that it, it barely even you could barely recognize Jesus. He, he was just, again, just a peasant or just a, just a teacher, just a good guy. And, um, but we don't really know and can't trust what he said because, of course, they're biased. And I will claim that the gospel authors are completely biased. Their goal is to show you that this one who came and lived life among them and died and was raised and buried from, you know, buried and then raised and ascended to the throne of heaven is the true Messiah, the king of the universe, is God himself. And so they're absolutely biased, but they're also eyewitnesses. And so just because someone, is an eyewitness, you should probably listen and, and hear what they have to say. Yeah. And now we have this, uh, you talked about um, what humans can do and what you know, less need for God, et cetera, et cetera. And now we are, now we are in this race to transhumanism and everything else, right? That is, that is the cloning of humans or the, I, I don't even understand all of yeah. it. it. It's, it's an attempt to, live forever i guess um but that's where certain people and certain entities are are trying to take us and i I just think that is a dangerous i think that's a dangerous place to try to go man but what would did you want to say something else on that oh i could say something about everything but um (laughs) no that's that's fine I, i i i agree with brad on this awesome um so who would you say, um, again, it's kind of a piggyback question, but I mean, who would you say Jesus is to those obviously that, that don't believe in a Messiah um, or to those that really don't feel as though they need one, right? I guess the case for needing one or how you go about getting there and convincing them of, of such. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, I think that, that, Christians maybe in America have gotten this reputation for pleading with you. Won't you please follow Jesus? Won't you please believe in Jesus? <laughs> and uh, why, why do you need me to believe in Jesus? Well, I don't know. My pastor, my leader told me that, that, you know, you should probably want to believe in Jesus. Shouldn't, shouldn't you? And we kind of get into this pleading motion, uh, <laughs> which is a little bit silly, um, and if it wasn't actually very scary and, and kind of dangerous because we're in this mode where we're like, Jesus needs your vote. Is that what we're saying? Like, like he, he is, no, he is Lord. And one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus, the Messiah is Lord to the glory of God, the father. This is just what we believe is true. What's with the hand wringing and the, uh, oh my, I just can't be okay if you don't believe the same thing I believe in. That sounds like we're just trying to get people to win on our side. Ra rah, me, mm. spirituality is what I call it. Like, I've got the spirit. Yes, I do. I got the spirit. How about you? And then, I, and then we've got more spirit. We've got, you know, I've, and so if I could recruit you and acquire you as a, as a token, and I could put you on my side of the board and then we, then I feel better and I feel like I'm winning. We don't need to win because Jesus has won. And, and so the Christian who's got to win back the country or has got to win back up, Jesus is Lord. Can we settle that? 
And could we, in our own hearts, could we settle that? And so I, I don't know how to convince you that Jesus Christ is Lord. I can show you my life. I can, by God's power and spirit, potentially become undeniable mm. <laughs> to where you say, uh, actually, that person has met with Jesus. And so what I'll take people to is just my own story with Jesus. I was 18 years old. I was running amok. I was grown up in church settings and we were always there whenever the church was open. And so I had a good kind of pressurized religious yep. <laughs> experience where, where, okay, I'm here. I know what the right thing to do is. I know what the right, Oh, note to self. Don't tell those jokes around these people. Okay. And so you kind of live, live this way, but inside I was chaotic and, and I was acting out in all sorts of ways. I was, um, I, I was exposed to pornography at a really young age. So like, 10, I think, wow. on the way to Christian school of all places. Wow. You know, uh, in the back seat of the station wagon, you know. And so I'm in Christian school, I'm doing all that, but in my in my mind it's just chaos and I was stealing and I was I was uh, um, attempting to defraud women. I, I didn't always, you know, I didn't didn't make it as far as I wanted to, and the Lord probably <laughs> jerked my chain enough to keep me from from doing any damage or getting in jail or anything. But but I was a chaotic mess. And I remember one moment on, uh, I was 18 years old. <clears throat> I'm in an English class in high school as a senior. You know, I'm a big dude, 6'4", you know, 200 some pounds and basketball player and all this kind of stuff and feeling pre you know, pretty big, right? And I'm in this class, uh, English class, and the teacher starts talking trash about the Bible, mm -hmm. saying it's just fairy tales, you can't trust it and that sort of thing. And And I'm thinking, I've got, church i've got school i got a background i'm gonna stand up and gently put this person in his place and set the bible above you know human authority and, and i look around the room and i see jeff who i've been just making the most terrible jokes about women in spanish class with and then there's joanna who i've basically propositioned for sex in gym class and i look around the room and these are my basketball buddies and i look around and i just had to sit my butt in the seat and just say, oh, you are not the guy to represent Jesus. You are completely deniable, <laughs> you know, wow. to use your term. And so that night I was, um, I was, I was just talking to God, just saying, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know, man. I can't do this. And I was weeping and I just said, Jesus, I don't have what it takes to become the Christian you want me to be. And I heard, um, I never said you had what it takes. This is something I'm going to do through you. And I said, well, then you can just have my life. And that was at age 18. And by, by that fall, God had, that was, this, that was in the spring, winter. And by fall, I saw a new person. Other people saw a new person. There was change, new creation. There was a change in desires, that we talk about the evil being expunged and getting out of it. There, there was different desires. I didn't even want the same things. I started to just pursue um, goodness and serving. Instead of hiding all my sin and shame, I was out in the open about it. Instead of stealing, I became a generous person and on and on and on and on. So that's, that's how my story with Jesus came because I said, you, <laughs> you do you Jesus. And, and he's the only being in the universe. You can actually say that to, and everything's going to go well. Jesus, you just do you, you do you. And, and I'm just going to submit myself to you. And when you do that, oh my goodness, 
your, your life begins to change. So whatever your brokenness is that you're experiencing now, uh, Lord have mercy. We talked about that and just turn it over. Just say, okay, um, take, take my life. Uh, but, but you have to kind of get to the end of it, end of kind of your quest and what you want to do with yourself. Um, but Jesus is there, you know, he's waiting for you. So that's a, that's a long way to answer it because, um, he, he is who he is. Jesus is who he is. And then we submit ourselves underneath that. And as Americans, we just don't like authority. Right. So we're at a, we're at a bit of a loss for how to, I can't convince you to come underneath an authority, but I can tell you, look to Jesus, pray to Jesus, ask him to show up. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, ask him to ask him to reveal himself to you. Um, ask him to bring people around you that could tell you a little bit more about Jesus. Open that Bible and, and start looking at the, the kind of the middle of the book. There is called the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, just stories about Jesus. I, I, I think he'll show up because he is not hiding. He wants to be found. Uh, but but it is going to be a process that you're going to have to um, realize is, is a spiritual thing. It's not just an intellectual journey, though it does include that. And I wouldn't, if you're, if you're just all intellectual right now and saying, oh, forget that. I can't believe that. I get that. And there are answers for those things as well, if you want them. But I'm not here to blow those out of the water. Right. You blow up your defenses, but I'll help you remove them. <laughs> you right. know, you can reach out to me and I'll help you remove those barriers. If you actually like, ah, oh, but, but what my dad did to me, oh man, I want to, I want to hear that. Or, but what about this evil thing that's happening? Okay. Yeah. I want to hear that. And what about, you know, what about my own personal sin? How could God ever love a person that's done all the things that I've done, you know, and say, okay, well, let me help you remove that. But, you know, I don't think our job as Christians is just to, just to, you know, berate, what is that? Barrage you with, with, uh, explosives to blow up your, right. Your defenses. Let's have you come out with the surrender flag and say, Jesus, what can you do with a life like mine? Right. It's not about, and so many people engage in those kinds of conversations where it's always a one upper, right? I got to one up you. I got to, I got to one up your intellectual argument. I got to show you how intellectual I am therefore, right? Because I know I can quote these scriptures and verses and, and look how smart I am. See, this is why you should join me. (laughs) Right. That's not enough. You know, Uh, I mean, have you as an aside here, because, you know, I, I see, um, and again, this is just me being curious about your response to people who would say this. And, mm-hmm. you know, I see it on social sometimes and, and, um, and you know, it, it's something to the effect of, um, yes, stop pushing your religion on me. Right. Or people will say that to you. Oh, yeah, I, I know you're religious. I know you're this. Just shut up and go your own way. Don't push your religion on me. Don't do this. Don't do this. And first of all, I'm thinking to myself, like, like, bro, calm down. Like. Nobody can force their religion on you. All right. Number one, if you don't accept it, you don't accept it. End of story. That's it. Right. So what is what what's going on with people who say, yeah, yeah, just shut your mouth. Don't 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 force your religion on me, man. Well, there's there's a high value in our society of religious pluralism. In fact, when when the Christians mostly Christian people came and founded this country. They wanted to found the first secular nation. That That's 
maybe controversial, but what they wanted to do was say, no, 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 this isn't a state run. This isn't a church and state together. This is, this is freedom of religion. We want to have freedom of those kind of things. We're not, we're not having a Christian monarchy or an Islamic uh, uh, caliphate or, you know, or these other things. We're, we wanted this to, to have a religious pluralism. Let's you and me, we can have dialogue and, and all that. That didn't go too well. Um, there was still a lot of, a lot of pushing around. And shoving around, but but we've we've embraced this idea of religious pluralism, which I I most of it I agree with, which is yeah you can believe what you want to believe absolutely, um, but it's interesting that people can hold two opposing concepts together without their heads blowing up, you know like all truth leads us to God. Um, or all all religions lead us to God. Religious pluralism is is a situation where you don't force religion on another person, but you do need the free exchange of ideas. And sometimes when we hold these ideas, like um, all religions lead to God, but then some are really evil. <laughs> it doesn't seem to lead us to God. Well, then, how, can we? Can we? Is that really true? And what about the the statement of Christianity that the only way to the Father is through Jesus? And so we can't really hold all ways lead to God and only one way leads to God because one of those, you know, one of those ways says that there's there's only one way to God. So they're mutually exclusive. And so what we have to do then in, in the free exchange of ideas is to say, well, can we examine the claims of Christianity? Can we either put Jesus completely to the side and say he was a liar? Um, the famous the famous trilemma is he's, he's a liar, a lunatic, or he really is Lord. And let's not let's not just say, oh, he's 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 just a good good person because a good person doesn't say I am the only way to the Father if he's not. Right. That just doesn't, right. that doesn't happen. So maybe he's crazy in that case, in that case, he's not a good person to follow or he really is who he says he is. And he's, he's Lord. So that's, that's one of those things where I think what we have to say is I, I don't want to push my religion on you, but I do need to introduce you to, to Jesus because I believe he is the hope for the world. He's certainly in my hope. And I believe he can be your hope. And um, I need to be okay if you reject that. But um, as we said, because it just is what it is. Jesus is Lord. And I need to explain that to you. Um, The gospel ultimately is not a pleading, like I said, a hand wringing. It's, It's an announcement. The announcement that Jesus is Lord. Uh, he is the king of the universe and that is the way it is. And yeah, that is the reason why Christianity is getting shoved to the edges is because of the exclusive claims of Jesus. I get that. But he, if he is who he says he is, then we all have a lot of explaining to do. And so why can't we have a dialogue where let's see if he is who he says he is. And if so, right. then I need you to make up that mind and you decide whether you have allegiance or not not something right. I force upon you as right. has happened in the world of Islam and the world of Christianity. It's happening in the world of Hinduism. It's happening all over where there is a force mm-hmm. and we just have to say that's wrong. Right. Yeah. I, I, I mean, 
I guess I've, I've pondered on this, this thought myself is, is why, and I'm, I'm slowly, slowly, slowly trying to make my way into being someone that is um, a little bit better versed at the approach that you have versus my approach. Um, and, you know, it, it's, why do people have such a hard time believing that there is like, there is an ultimate hierarchy of humanity in place, right? That's what I've, the best words I've come to find is there's the ultimate hierarchy of humanity. In other words, we, we, we've heard the saying, you, you have to, as hard as it may be, accept the things that you cannot change. Right. And, and I think this is no different. You have to come to terms as one little tiny human being on this earth, a little ant with the rest of the seven, eight billion ants. Right. And, and come to terms at some point with the fact that there is a God, you are his child. You are, you see what I'm saying? Like, I think there's a, a, um, a rebellion there that we we've touched on earlier, but there's a lack of acceptance that of that ultimate hierarchy. And, and, do you think that's still the same thing? Like, I don't want to submit to that authority. I, I just can't. I want to live my own life and do me, or is it something deeper? Well, that's the, you know, when, when you said hierarchy, I thought you were talking about, like, there's different levels of humans. But no, you mean authority. Like, the, the God, is, God is the authority, and and then we come underneath that. And there there's a whisper that's been in the soul of humanity since the Garden of Eden, right? There's this lie that God is holding out on you, that he doesn't have your best interests in mind. In fact, uh, in fact, the reason God doesn't want you to, and it's symbolized in this, take the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The reason why God doesn't want you to take that is because he's worried that you're not going to need him anymore. And that you're going to, you're going to know all the things that we know and you'll become like one of these divine beings that, uh, that this serpent, we call him a you know, serpent. He acts like a serpent. We're not, we're not, I don't think any Christians are supposed to be claiming that he had a little tail that wiggled and, and he slithered on the ground, but that he, he was serpent-like in his divine, meaning his, his spiritual deception of Adam and Eve. And the same whisper can happen to you at midnight and at 2 a.m. And, and at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That's like, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to live the life you want to live, you can't wait for God. You got to go get it. You you can't you can't trust him. In fact, he's probably just going to have you hanging out with him and and doing whatever. He's he's he doesn't have your best interests at heart. It's the lie that's been happening since the beginning, which is that something or someone else can satisfy you. And so we go to those other things until those wells run dry until those mud puddles we've dug for ourselves are just a little distasteful. And then we say, okay, fine. Where are the springs of living water? And we turn, we, we turn to God. It seems to be a very human thing to, to run it out, run out the course as far as we can. You know, I've, I've talked to people who say, well, I've kind of got to deal with God, you know, on my deathbed, I'll, I'll swear allegiance to him or, you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll believe in him then. And you're like, that's and, and I know in one case that didn't work out well with a massive heart attack where the person died. That that person who said that died in an instant. You know, like really, I I hope you had time to work that out with them, but that's no way to that's no way to live. The way to live is to go to that refreshment, go to the the source of living water, 
Um, don't dig your own mud puddles and, and, and call that refreshment. Um, th- there is true satisfaction in life and purpose and hope and joy. And it's to be found in intimate connection with God. And that's available through Jesus Christ. So um, I, I just, uh, I, I appeal to you, um, talk to him about that. Yeah. Talk to him about what's on offer and don't avoid him and listen to the lies um, because we could do the Dr. Phil moment. How's that working out for you? <laughs> right. Pursuing these other things and trying to find satisfaction. And you'll probably tell me, well, I just haven't tried enough things yet, but pleasure doesn't ever satisfy. In fact, pleasure and contentment are not the same thing. Right. Pleasure always wants, it's always like it, it induces the seeking of more pleasure and more pleasure and more pleasure. Right. Well, if I just had this much money or this many experiences or this many um, liaisons or whatever, if I just had this many things, then I would be satisfied. Let's, you know, that's crap. Right. Absolutely. You know, that is, but, but you think you, Oh, that, but that's the lie that keeps, that keeps going on. Contentment is having what you have being grateful to, a, to the, to the heavenly father, to, to live your life in satisfaction and joy. And, and God loves that sort of thing. Absolutely, man. I, you, you took the words right out of my mouth because when you listed all those other words, I was going to say, and, and being content with, with, yeah. with what you have. I mean, I could list off 10 different things that I have right now that have absolutely nothing to do with riches and every, anything, any of the sort materialistic things. And I, and I will say that I'm blessed and I'm far from a wealthy person right now. If God blesses me like that, so be it. I'm going to use it for his good. But at the same time, I mean, we're alive. Number one, right. We're alive. I've, I've got my health. I mean, I have issues like everybody else, but I mean, I'm in great health, man. I, 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 I live where I want to live. I have a phenomenal wife who just understands me and supports me. And, and I mean, I could go on and on and on. And none of those things are something that I can just grab or buy something with, you know, yeah. true contentment. And it's, it's, and I don't know that I'm fully there yet. I'm, I'm very flawed, but I'm working yeah, on too. it. I'm working on it. I'd rather be able to just live my life every day, content and have joy and, and, I mean, and that, that's what it's really about, right? I mean, li- living your life, you just said it, you said it perfectly, man. Like, and I was back in those days too, where it's like, oh yeah, there's the pleasure there. I got to get more of that. I'll be happy after that. I'll be happy after that. I'll be happy after that. And it's the nature of seeking pleasure is, you know, foundationally that in order to feel the temporary pleasure, you need to go get another one, right? You absolutely have yeah. to do that. But there's a lasting pleasure. You know, we're not we're not against pleasure. We right. just know that 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 comes from the hand of God, and we enjoy that. Whether that's with, whether that's you know sex with your spouse, you know, whether that's the 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 goodness that He comes. I mean, every meal that we eat, we eat before God and just say thank you for this. Oh my goodness, this steak or this 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 food that we've created that you've given to us. We just bless you. This is such a great pleasure to have my family or my friends around, and here we are. We're eating. We're enjoying the good life under the authority of God. So, so it's not like pleasure is gone. <laughs> we're right. some, you know, we're some dour people and, and who think our seriousness is religion or something like that. No, we enjoy that, but we, we look to him, to his hand. And I think that's what would happen in, in the Garden of Eden if, if they had said, um, okay, we'll look to you. 
we'll look to you for wisdom. And that's what he was doing. He was teaching these kind of baby humans, right? They were adult kind of, but you know, but still baby humans, um, teaching them and, and growing them. And, and he was going to allow them to learn these things in their time. But the, but what the lie comes in is like, you got to get it now, even before you're ready, right? Before you're ready for it. And that's, that's the, 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 the dark forces temptation is to give you more than you're ready for. Like that pornography at age 10 or those kind of things where you're like, wow, I know I'm flooded with stuff. I don't even know what to do with because I'm not wise enough to even handle these kind of moments. Yeah. Boy, I think um, I'm already thinking about different singular topics that we, we will, I might have to have you back for. Um, But let's, let's talk about connecting with people a little bit more and, um, dissuade some of the the arguments or the beliefs that some people have about us but you're right man some people there is this disconnect where people think the christians are just not not fun people we don't like to indulge we don't like we don't like our own pleasure we just do it in a different way that is obviously arguably more satisfying um Mm -hmm. but i think shifting gears a little bit here um i think uh i think almost all of us as as christ followers um at least I don't know anybody who is who is like this, but I think all, all of us or most of us have come to accept people as they are or as they see themselves, right? Even though we may not agree with their lifestyles, right? Uh, or we may uh, not agree that it is a lifestyle. It's not a lifestyle. It's how I was born. It's this, whatever the case may be. But sure. my question yeah. to you is, um, like, how how should Christ followers, how should we act towards people in, in different groups, if you will, like, like people in the LGBT community, people in, in, in whatever fill in the blank community you want to talk about. And and how should we, how should we act towards them? How should we be? I know how, how things used to be a long time ago and it wasn't very pretty at times. Um, But again, I think there's a lot of that's changed. How, how should we act and be towards them? Even though we know what we know about what God thinks. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a, we have a category for this, you know, we have our own faults and we have our own struggles and we have our own, um, you know, man, I wish I hadn't done that, man. I wish I hadn't done that. And yet we still love ourselves pretty well. I'd say, I mean, you're, you're loving yourself pretty well. I'm loving myself pretty well, putting up with my flaws and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, we can do that with other people as well. We don't have to put our, um, our understanding of how God orders the world on them, but we can introduce them to Jesus. And I believe Jesus orders your world. And maybe that is the invitation is to say, Jesus, would you help me put all this confusion to right? Would you, would you do that for me? And what I want to do is love, love that person and introduce them to Jesus because I believe he's real. I believe he can do the heavy lifting as far as uh, I need to convict you of this. I need to direct you this way. Right. Um, and that does happen in Christian community. So let's say a person is a, is a, uh, I'm a follower of Jesus. Now I believe I, I'm allegiant to Jesus. I confess that Jesus, the Messiah, the hope of Israel is actually the Lord of the whole world. And I want to submit my life to him. Great. Let's go on that journey together. Right. And that's that apprenticeship thing. And then if someone comes to me as a follower of Jesus and says, Hey, um, I'm starting to wonder about these, uh, these choices I'm making. I've been going with what has been in my heart, 
which is I pursuing same sex attraction or I'm, I'm struggling with this or I'm going in this direction. And, and so I say, well, let's put that before Jesus and let's open the word and let's see, let's see what that looks like. And so that process of following Jesus would then start to expose like, wow, I've got some disorder in here. And I do too. I've mentioned some of my disorder that I started with. So no one's claiming like you're disordered and I'm not. It's right. that Jesus does this whole work inside of us to start to shift us and change us and change our desires. Go figure but that's not something I'm going to do for you. I don't right. go put you in a in a gay camp and change your desires and, and do all that kind of thing. No, that's a process that God does, or sometimes he doesn't. Like I've read some guys who are same-sex attracted, Christian ministers, like they, they're they pastors and leaders. And they said, you know what? I'm still not attracted to women, but I've decided that though I have these desires, I'm not going to pursue them because I've had a conversation with Jesus. I've looked in his word this is not okay. And so for that person, they said, I don't know if God will ever change my like orientation as we call it, mm. but that doesn't matter. I'm going to be um, holy or pure. I'm going to, I'm going to not pursue the things that I know are displeasing to God because I want to please him most, not please me. I want to please him the most, but I can't put that on a non-Christian person and say, what are you doing? Um, how come you're, how come you're not, trying to please God with your whole life and swear allegiance to Jesus. It's because I'm, that's not who I am. Right. Like, Oh, well, that's right. Actually, you're the one living out your job description. Just fine. Maybe as a Christian, I should live out my job description. Oh, what's that? Well, it's to, to try to get the life of Jesus in me. And so then I got to go back to the gospel of, according to Mark, Luke, John, Matthew. And then I got to see, Oh, how would Jesus have interacted with this person? Oh, he probably would have just pulled up a chair, just loved on mm-hmm. him and said, I see you. I know you're struggling. I get it. Now, that's that's become inflammatory even there. Who are you to tell me I'm struggling? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I don't. Maybe you aren't struggling. Maybe right. you're fully embracing this um, this orientation or identity, as you call it. And, and so maybe I've offended you in saying that you're struggling with it, or maybe you're offended that I said that, that, that you're disordered, you know, in some of your sexual desires and there's chaos there and confusion there. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sometimes disordered as well. So I'm not trying to put that on you, but, but Jesus comes in to clean up that mess, not, not to make us good enough to save, but in fact, what he does is he, rescues us and then starts this process of transforming us so that we can be part of his kingdom as we've been talking about. So we can be these little outposts, these little colonies of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. You know, we pray our father in heaven, may your name be more reverenced and odd. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're asking for God's order and his authority to come down into our life and our lives together and then let that be a display for the world, an undeniable display, like like the city on a hill that, yeah, I can see it. It, it, it shares this hope of life and light and transformation. So that's what I would hope for. I would hope that you'd only experience love from me. Um, I have uh, people very close to me who have come out as bisexual or homosexual. Uh, and, and I... I just love them. And if they want to talk about it or they want to pursue Jesus, I'm happy to help them along that way. 
but I don't wish that for someone. And when I was talking to my atheist friend the other day, um, I, I found that one of his main issues, what was had him really riled up is the Christian message toward the, the quote unquote Christian message toward his gay teenage daughter. And he was riled up and he was like, I'm coming after these fundamentalist Christians who say that this is wrong. And, and, you know, after a, a hour of conversation, a lot of love, a lot of answering some questions and whatever, I, I just, I said to him, man, I, I think what's going on is that you just, you just really love your daughter and you're really protective of your daughter and mm-hmm. you don't want anybody, even this family member that he was talking about coming down and putting pressure and, and hurting your daughter. And he's got tears, you know, it's like, that's what it's about. You just love these people. You, you love her and you don't, but you wouldn't wish for her to like, Oh man, I hope my daughter grows up with this kind of confusion in her heart. Like you don't want that. for No, no, you're right. I don't right. want that for her, but, but she is. And so I'm going to support her. And, and, and we're doing, I think the secular community, the people that aren't following Jesus are doing the best they can to try to like, okay, well we shouldn't hate. We should, we should totally love. Awesome. Um, yes. And also we can hope for better and for more, and we can hope for order and peace and, and, and we don't, and from a Christian perspective, you're not going to find that by becoming um, more instinctual. It's going to become by being more like Jesus, who's truly human. So that would, maybe there's a message of hope in there, but, um, certainly maybe, uh, certainly a way for us as Christians to, to to love people maybe in the way Jesus does. Yeah, I think um I think that's where it starts and and once they once once people see that you're not there to condemn, right? It's really just about having a conversation. I think I think that lead in with with having peace for his daughter himself. I think it's a great lead in because if you're sharing a way to get that that should not be confrontational, right? The world isn't going to really give it to you, <laughs> right? It's just, it's chaos everywhere. Um, but I think that, I th- and I think that you said, how would, how would Jesus approach, approach that person we were just talking about and, and with love and everything else? Yes. I think, I, I mean, I think he would have, I would have invited him to dinner, sit, sit at the table with me, right? Let's talk, let's fellowship, yeah. let's, let's learn about each other. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, so I think they're, I think they're, if I'm getting one big, huge thing that I'm learning out of this conversation, man, which is, which is, which I'm really grateful for is that even in my humanistic desire to potentially see an opportunity to one up somebody on something, it's, I need to throw that away and just remove that and really just really try to get to get them to understand that I come in peace to give peace or to try to offer you a way to peace. Right. Oh, that's nice. Right. And I think that's, I think that is a, that is, that was a huge takeaway for me, Aaron. So I'm, I really appreciate that a whole lot. And I think that, that, that one little thing will open up doors for a lot of people if they can just put it into practice. Hmm. Um, boy, I, 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 like I said, the show could go on for three hours and I'm definitely going to have you back if you're willing to come. And, um, sure. we're going to talk about different things. I am leaving out a question on purpose, uh, for that reason. But, um, one, the last thing I want to ask you is, boy, all right. If you could leave, I mean, we talked about a lot today, boy, 
if you could leave the audience with just one thing, and I mean, that's going to be hard. I know it's going to be difficult, but one thing that they could start doing right now that would set them on a path to becoming undeniable, if you will, what would that one thing be? I think the the way to become undeniable is to associate yourself with the one who is undeniable mm. and that would be Jesus. So if, you know, we all associate with people because we want them to rub off on us, you know, like, Hey, I love that guy. He's got, I love the way he laughs. I want to hang out with him more. Maybe I'll laugh like him. Or I love the way this one thinks. I want to think like him. Or I love, I love, you know, we, we associate with people that we want to, you know, have, make 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 us like them and and that's that's kind of normal um but to associate with jesus uh, to to come to a conversational level with jesus to have we call it prayer and that's maybe the technical term but for some people it looked like um a blind person alongside the road as jesus was coming through town and he would he would say jesus son of David. David was the king of Jerusalem in the past who, if he's the son of David, then maybe he's the new king. So he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That's not a bad start to a conversation with Jesus. Um, because as he starts to settle your soul and starts to heal you from the inside out, then you aren't trying so hard to impress everybody. And I, and I think that's your one-upsmanship you're talking about. Like, wow, I want this person to really be impressed with me. I want this person to be really impressed with me. Well, what if, man, I really want my connection with this person to ultimately connect them to the one who truly is undeniable. And if I, I can back out of this conversation, I could, I could fade into their distant memory. And what was that one guy who introduced me to Jesus? Well, never mind. I met Jesus. That's the one that's important. So I would say start a conversation with Jesus. Say, my soul is, a, is not at rest. My heart is not healed. I am struggling with these things. And say, Jesus, would you, would you take over? And starting that conversation um, will will truly help you become undeniable because they'll look at you and say, wait a minute, so you don't run after all these other things and you don't need this approval and you don't, you're not always trying to one-up people because you seem to be at peace, like you mentioned, Brad. Um, and that only happens as, as the, the life of Jesus rubs off on you through your allegiance to him. That's good, man. That's really good. And... I, I, I hope people aren't intimidated uh, by any of that because, you know, I almost want to follow up this question with, with how is, how simple, how hard is it to do that? If, if I've never done that before and I'm, I'm not connected to God, I don't even believe in God right now, but I'm going to, I'm going to ask Jesus to come, come down with me. And they, they may feel like they are not worthy or, or, or out of place or whatever. But I mean, as simple as how, how do you do that? How, how quickly, like quickly, how do you tell somebody to Aaron? I don't know how to do that, man. Do I just sit there in my room and just say, Hey, Jesus, come hang out. What do I do? How do I do that? What's the, what's the, I'd what's say, the short Jesus, answer to that? I'd say, Jesus, if you're there, like Brad and Aaron say you are, and you're as good as they say you are, 
Um, I need you. Come, be real to me. And then, yeah, open open your Bible. Go to that the gospel account. I would say Luke. Look mm. for Luke in a Bible and just start reading. This is an eyewitness. Eyewitnesses to the accounts of Jesus and just say, Jesus, would you show up? Yeah, show I mean, yourself. That's my prayer for you, for you listening, is that Jesus would show up in your life. Somehow through a person, through his word, through through a spiritual conversation, hey, through dreams, Jesus show up in their lives. Be, would you respond to their requests to reach out to you? Yeah, and be and be open to the fact that you aren't most likely aren't going to hear a actual voice going in your head, <laughs> right? Like we're speaking right now. It's it's the the word of God. I've learned is not really just an actual voice saying, Hey, Brad, start the podcast. It, it, I couldn't have made those words out. I just knew what it was, right? It could be through another person. It could be some, you know, something you see, it could be a dream. It could be all those things. My, I, I just say, be open to all those things. Right. Yeah. It's not necessarily a microphone's not necessarily going to pick it up. Right. But, but we're asking the creator to communicate with us through Jesus, not through some sketchy, spiritual spiritism tarot funky psychic thing like that no through a verifiable image of god on earth jesus the messiah absolutely you got to name jesus <laughs> absolutely aaron uh we're, we're coming to the end here and um if 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 there are people that are listening that uh, have have witnessed your calm, accepting, um, welcoming demeanor. And they say, Hey, you know what, man, I'm, I want, I need to reach out to the guy. I just have a question or two, right? I know you have conversations with people all the time. So I want to give people an opportunity to reach out to you and, and how can they connect with you outside of here? How can they, how can they reach you? Well, that's great. I'm not a very active on social media, but I can always take a message through Instagram or Facebook and I'm just facebook.com slash Aaron dot Bauer. Go figure. Um, so you can find me there. And um, my email address is Aaron at Issaquah.cc. Issaquah is the name of our town, I-S-S-A-Q-U-A-H dot C-C. And that's our website as well. And yeah, you can find me and it'd be, it'd be a pleasure to help you uh, learn how to walk with Jesus and, and find community wherever you're at. Yep. Once again, guys, that is Aaron, A-A-R-O-N at Issaquah.cc. I-S-S-A-Q-U-A-H dot C-C. Aaron, my friend, I know this won't be the last time. Uh, I thank you very much for the amount of time you spent with us today and the amount of substance that you've provided. Um, I'm truly grateful for it. And I, I just hope that our audience got as much out of it as I did. And I appreciate you being here, bro. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thank you. Well, that's about it for this episode, guys. I It is my hope that you thoroughly enjoyed it. I know I did. I hope that it brought you some undeniable value that you can take away. If nothing else, it is my hope and prayer that you just, you heard something, one little thing at least that got you thinking or got a desire sparked in you to learn more. Whether you reach out to Aaron to learn more, whether you go read the Bible, whether you just sit in, in a quiet room by yourself and say, Jesus, come, if you're real, come see me. I can't tell you how many stories I've heard of, of, of people feeling him after asking him to come. 
but it's, it's my hope that you found things that you can take away with from right now. And honestly, if you didn't hear anything that was undeniably valuable to you, um, then clearly you weren't listening because this was, this, this episode was jam packed, right? So what's your next step after this? What's, what's this next step with the show as with the show? I mean, really and truly it's to pay it forward by sending the show to people, you know, all right. Maybe while you were listening, you thought of someone that just really, really needed to hear that one point that Aaron made that was just so phenomenal, right? Maybe that point was made just for them, right? Send them the show, right? It takes just a couple taps of your thumb. It won't take you much time, and you may change somebody's life literally just by sending them the show, right? After that, if you would, please leave us a generous review so that the show can grow and get this value into the ears of more listeners that really need to hear it, right? Remember, I say it every time, you cannot become undeniable if you are uninformed. And after today's episode, you cannot be uninformed about the value of Christ in your life, right? Become awakened and you become undeniable. So make sure you bless up mom and I'm out.